Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowdfunders, this is episode 60. Man, we are rocking and rolling with the podcast, aren't we? Uh, The episodes are just starting to add up, and uh, I think the content keeps getting better and better. Uh, The conversations keep getting awesome, more awesome, I should say, and uh, I really appreciate all the listeners out there. But um, So on today's episode, I'm going to get right right down to it. Today's episode, I'm going to be talking to Travis Hancock from the successful uh, very successful Kickstarter campaign, Tunga 1667 board game. Uh, so if you go to um, Kickstarter or if you click on the link on the page that you're, you might be listening to this on, go check it out. If you are uh, if you like Pirates of the Caribbean and you're into board games, I think this is going to be right in your wheelhouse. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, um, so I'm going to be frank. I think this intro may be a little aggressive. I have a feeling I may or may not cuss a couple of times. Um, so maybe if you're listening to this in the car and you've got some kids around, you might want to just, you know, maybe either fast forward to the, um, you know, uh, to the interview, um, or you know what, maybe another episode will be your, your cup of tea. I'm just being honest, just being honest with you because I, man, I hit a wall yesterday. I've hit an absolute frustrated, I'm pissed off wall. And I, I'm going to tell you what's going on here. I had to get rid of Facebook off my phone. I can't take anything more political. Can't do it. Can't do it. And I know that's exactly where people want us, right? Certain people in this world want us to start giving up. Um, I had, uh, you know, I recorded another podcast for a friend of mine from uh, Stan Magazine, which is a men's magazine for men who give a damn. And, um, and uh, so I, I finished up that and then afterwards had a you know, very frank conversation about all the shit going on, absolute shit that's going on. And then when I got home, um, I had a, uh, my mom called me and my mom is almost in tears because she's so concerned. So with my dad's health that I've talked about multiple times, you know, he's still not doing well and he won't ever do well again. You know, that's just that's going to be the, the rest of his chapters of his life. Uh, but my parents have to start going to Canada. My mom's calling me, asking me, how the hell do I get over the bridge and how do I smuggle my, you know, the, the medication to keep my dad alive across the bridge and the tunnel? That's, that's what she wants to know. I mean, this is a 67-year-old woman here who barely gets on the internet. And she's literally trying to smuggle medication over to keep my dad alive. Because they've hit some deductible, insurance is changing, my dad's, you know, a fuck, you know he's a fucking mess. So that, that's now their reality. So now I have to, uh, you know, and of course, if you go back to our, my, my episode uh, where, uh, with right after the election and then my mom voted for Trump and then is just looking at me like, oh, I, don't, I should have listened maybe. I should have did some research. It, you know, the next step is my, you know, my mom has to drive an hour and a half to two hours, deal with traffic. My mom's not going to, you know, this, be, this becomes her life, you know? moving medications around. This is the reality. Then I start thinking about just our, my own reality here from my, my, my bubble, my little house. My wife and I work every single waking minute, every waking minute, and we never get ahead, no matter what. And I'm going to go see a financial guy to see if, oh, we can, you know. And it's, 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 
I'm wearing a ripped up Guns N' Roses t-shirt right now and jeans that are five years old. It's not like I'm living all oh, amazing. I'm driving a 12-year-old car or whatever it is, 10-year-old car that's falling apart that doesn't have bumpers. You know? And then you just get, you know, we don't own a house. I'm a renter. I mean, when you start breaking it down, it's like, what, what is going on? This is not a, a healthy life, you know? Well, yeah, I live in a great small downtown area that I, I can walk to everything, you know, but I, I've got a five and a three-year-old. There's no thoughts of education for them, you know? Yeah, they go to a good, you know, elementary school for right now, but for how long? How long? That's the next, hey, let's get rid of that. I'm, you know, yesterday, yeah, I, man, I probably shouldn't have watched some Bill Maher. You know, I watched, watched a little bit of Bill Maher in the morning, just, just you know, there's never a moment where you can just stop and go, everything's okay for a second. You know, it's not even paycheck to paycheck. It's, you know, it's living, uh, you, you know, it's, it's living, how do I, how do I um, use the grace period of banks or the ability to, you know, float on, in the negative for a couple days, you know, then, we, then I look at food. Let's break down food, right? So speaking back to how my dad's health is just shit, just through the roof, right? You know, I go down there to, to visit my grandma on Tuesday because her birthday was over the weekend. I take my, my daughter to her. And yeah, I step out for 20 minutes, right? 20 minutes, I step out for a phone call, business call. I come back in and my grandma has fed my daughter, you know, macaroni and cheese out of the microwave, one of these little one-off packs, which I can't even imagine the amount of shit that's in there for you to be able to cook mac and cheese in three minutes in a microwave, but whatever. Then she feeds her ice cream. Then she feeds her a full, uh, a, a, a pear, um, a banana, chocolate raisins. And then she's like, I'll, I'll go ahead and make that cheese pizza for, uh, for her as well. And I'm like, she's three. The amount of sugar intake and sodium that she must have ingested in the amount, in the matter of 20 minutes, you know, guess what happened? She didn't really sleep that well that night. And I don't blame my grandma. When my grandma, I remember this clear as day, and I was talking to my mom about it. My, my grandma had the biggest garden. Everything she made was fresh. Everything was out of, out of her garden, tomatoes, beans, corn, everything. You know, she, you know, but in her small town of Dundee, you know, it, look, McDonald's, here's, here's the choices of food for my grandma to eat. If she, if she doesn't want to cook, you know, because she, you know, is 80 some years old and lives by herself, McDonald's, Wendy's, Taco Bell, Burger King, Jimmy John's, Applebee's, Bob Evans, and a Coney Island. There's the options, everybody. You think my grandma, you know, of course not. What do you think my dad's ate his entire life? The same garbage I just mentioned. That's what they know. There's no, there's no escaping it. And it's not these businesses' fault. It really is the people's fault for not wanting, not wanting to care, not trying. But when you got to drive an hour to get to something fresh, that's a, that's a fairly big challenge. Who's going to do that? Show me the person that does that. You know, so this, this cycle... Over and over and over. I have no idea how to break it. I don't think it can be broken, which, again, puts me in a position where I continue to get more and more depressed, and I'm, I, can't, I can't find my way out of it. Therapy, you know, I go to therapy. I talk to people. I, you know, I think I'm fairly popular in our neighborhood. You know, I try my hardest. I try to be a good dad. But what am I supposed to tell kids? What am I supposed to tell my kids? There's no fucking such thing as an American dream. Man, there isn't. I've been working as an entrepreneur now for 15, 16 years now. 
you know, on, I think on the bleeding edge of some shit in terms of crowdfunding, uh, interactive technology. And you know, when I tried to go get a real job, I can't even get an interview. Do you know why? Because I made a choice not to go down the rabbit hole of this fucking student debt shit. I didn't want that. My job isn't about, there's no, there's no school that you can go to that teaches you about social media in 2020. That doesn't exist. You know, how, you know how you get really good at social media? You do it all the time. Do you know why? We have a, we have a real good track, track record online with uh, funnel building because I do it. Yet, because I don't have a bachelor's degree from, I don't know, Southampton University, blah, 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 some private garbage school shit, and be, and, and be way in debt, oh, I'm not qualified. I can't get, you know, and then how about the automation process of that? That's another thing. You know, I've went and tried to get jobs. I think, you know, I'm at that position now where I start thinking about, man, I'd like to see what I can do in, in a bigger arena. You know, I like to work with other people. I like to be on the cutting edge of a, of a very large ad campaign because I think, I think I could do some really cool things. I've done cool things on smaller scales, you know, very grassroots, very guerrilla. Man, it would be nice to have a budget sometimes, but I never have a budget. You know, but we've automated the entire process of getting a job. Nobody actually, you know, it's a piece of, it's a, a fucking digital file gets sent. Nobody takes the time to actually, maybe I should look into these people. So I got that going on. Every day, it's a smack in the face. And what's, and what's, what do you do about it? Seriously, that's my question. Yeah, the Women's March was awesome, but what does it change? I don't, I'm not, I'm not asking that honestly, you know? I watched it all day with my daughter. You know, my daughter was checked in and out. I work on projects that are very impactful for, uh, for the world. Uh, LGBT weddings is one of them. You know, I believe in this stuff, but, but, but what's going to change? You know, man, I'm just, I, you know, it's challenging being the laughing stock of the world. I see it. Listen to my podcast. If you listen to this podcast, you hear it. You guys probably, you know, I don't share the before and after, uh, you know, little green room style conversations, but any, any conversation I have with an international client, they ask us what the fuck we're doing. And I got no answer. I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know. Man, I'm just, you know, I, I got to apologize to Travis because he's got a great board game. And I'm sorry that this intro is dark and heavy, but yesterday was a shitty day. I'm tired. I am, I, I, I have no more space in my brain to literally worry about how my parents are going to survive, how I'm going to survive, how my kids are going to survive and grow up in this world, how I'm going to keep my marriage together because, you know, all the stresses come back on there, right? How I'm going to, you know, feed my, my family. I got, I'm at the end. I am literally at the end. And I, I don't know. Two to four years is a long time to wait for change to happen. And even then, what does that, what does that equal? So if you're looking for a happy episode, I'm sorry you guys didn't find it here. I am just, just like I said before, man, I'm fed up. I'm very, man fucking pissed and I don't even and, and I don't even know what to do about it that's my problem if I knew what to do about it if there was a solution where somebody said to me hey uh go you know 
Go run for something. I actually consider, I, I think about that. All right, all right. I'll run for some city thing or school thing. I'll, I'll, I, I, I can be a character. I got, I got wits. I can handle myself. But, but I'm not playing in the billion dollar world, right? I'm not moving, hey, if I give you $60 billion, will you, you, know, will you do this for me? That's what our world is. And I'm fucking tired of it. I'm tired of being, you know, $46 in my bank account because that's all we have. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of working 50, 60 hours a week, even though I'm trying to work as I have tons of automation that I work smart. I still have to do it. I'm tired of my wife not seeing our kids because she works her ass off. I'm tired. And it's just beginning. All right. I got to shake out of it. Hopefully my vitamins I took, hopefully my D3 kicks in here soon, gives me some of that energy, my B12 vitamin, you know, start feeling a little bit better. But uh, man, if you guys are feeling the same way, I feel for everybody, man. It just sucks. So enough Debbie Downer stuff. It's time to, time to, time to go to, to, you know, let's, let's flip over to the good stuff. So this campaign was awesome. I, I think it was a really good conversation. This is Travis's second Kickstarter campaign. And I love a part of it where we, we were discussing um, uh, on his first one, he raised over $100,000 for his first board game out of the gate, you know, and, and you know, that was like, how the hell did you do that? You know, and community wise, he's got 3000 backers, 4,000 backers. You know, he's got a ton of people who are into his games and he's building and designing great games. So I, I strongly recommend checking it out. Um, but okay, let's go ahead and kick in my conversation with Travis and uh, yeah. All right. I got to calm down. Here's Travis. No, my soul needs to be filled. Come on, come on. All right, Travis, how are you? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much. So, why don't you tell my uh my, my uh, listeners, a little bit about your very successful Kickstarter campaign that you have running right now. Sure, yeah. So um, the game's called Tortuga 1667, and this is our second game. We launched a game a couple years ago called Salem, also on Kickstarter. Um, but this game, it's, it's a pirate-themed game, and it's kind of a mix uh, between a social deduction game and a, a strategy game. So basically, there's two teams... Um, each player has a secret loyalty to either the British or the French, and to win, you're trying to you're trying to steal treasure from the Spanish and get the most treasure for your team before the game ends. Um, That's cool. Yeah, so so kind of the trick is you you got to figure out who's on your team, and um, a lot of people will lie about their team until the end when they can move treasure to their to their side and win. Interesting. Where where did this idea come from for for the game? Um, so I've I've always been a big fan of social deduction games. Um, so I'm always just kind of trying to think of that. But but this one came. I'm not even sure exactly when it was first planted. But um, I I love the idea of a mutiny. How um, you know you can work with your captain with your crewmates on getting treasure, but then in in the next move you can kind of backstab them um, and keep the treasure for yourself. So I like that idea. I kind of built on that, and uh, of course, over the over the past year, as we've been testing this, um, it's morphed into tons of different variations, and um, but we really like where it is now, and excited to get it out there. 
That's cool. So it seems like you uh, did a lot of game testing. What's been the feedback from from all those people who have uh, got a chance to play? It's been great. Yeah, we we hold a weekly play test at our apartment, um, and then we test it elsewhere as well. But it's it's been good. Um, every game feels pretty different, and that's what that's what um, a lot of them have liked about it. Um, another thing they've liked is you can succeed in this game if you're great at lying, but you can also succeed if if you just play it right with the strategy. Um, I know I know a lot of people say they're not good at lying or they they don't love those games, um, and so that's been fun because it kind of captures everyone um, because. The ones that don't like to lie can still do well and they enjoy it. And they've they've said as such, a lot of the people say, like, you know, I hate I hate mafia werewolves, but I love this game, even though there's some some line involved, because I can still do well. That, that's inter- interesting. So you know, where did you grow up? I grew up in Ohio. Okay. Where at in Ohio? Uh, around Dayton, Dayton okay. area. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in Detroit. Uh, I've drove through Dayton a few times, going south. You know, nice, nice. <laughs> well, that, that's cool. How did you get into gaming? Um, just just growing up, my family is just b- big into board games. Um, seems like we always have one kind of on our minds, um, especially Christmas times. It's kind of all we do for two weeks is just play straight board games. Um, and then also. Uh, my family would, would have big family reunions. I have like 60 cousins on one side. And, okay. and so all the teenagers, we'd always sneak down to the basement and play Mafia just for hours, sometimes all night. So I, I've always just loved them. And I, I love the, I don't know, the, the emotions involved with games and just how it kind of creates this world that you can jump into for a while. So, so that's what I've tried to do with my game, just create little worlds that people can can uh, immerse themselves in. That, that's cool. That's what I usually think about a lot when, when it comes to board games is, is the, the fantasy element of it or this sort of, you know, the, 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 the whisking away to a, another, another universe in your mind and stuff. Yeah. Where, where do you think that sort of, uh, you know, that, that, that came from, 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 from you, you know, do you write? Are you creative? I mean, you know, where, where do you yeah. think that came from? Yeah, so I actually do enjoy writing a lot. Um, I, I write in a blog. I'm actually working on a, a book right now, just like a fiction book. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's definitely part of it. Um, I'm also a, a singer, I guess. Um, so I did like show choir growing up and did choirs in college. So I've always, I guess, considered myself a creative person. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I guess now it's coming out in in board game form. <laughs> so that's been fun. That, that's cool. How long does the one of your aver- your, your games average t- uh, play time? How long does it take to play? Yeah, so it's it's about twenty to forty minutes. Um, so the game ends. There's a deck of tw- just twenty event cards, um, and near the bottom of the deck is a Spanish Armada card. So when that card is revealed, the game ends. So with, with some groups, maybe newer groups, um, often they will go through the game quicker because they'll be quicker to just reveal cards. Um, the thing is, though, is, is if you do that, you'll often kill yourself because <laughs> you, some of the cards, like the Black Spot or Albatross, can uh, be detrimental to you and your team. So as people get better at the game, a lot of them will spend their actions viewing the cards um, and then telling 
someone who they think is on their team to reveal the good ones or forcing their enemies to reveal the bad ones. So, so yeah, I'd say for, for more experienced players, the game maybe gets a little longer. But, yeah, it's, it's between 20 and 40 minutes. That's cool. How long has it taken you to you know, come up with this idea and then get it to a point where you're, where you're doing this Kickstarter? Yeah, so I believe the first time we placed, play-tested a version of this was, was March of 2016. Um, and then we've, we've played it once or twice a week every, every week since then. Um, and then kind of during that time as well, we started working on the art and getting the ideas for, for what it was all going to look like. And, and then little by little, we got the manufacturing in place and, and figured out that we could do the cool uh, play mat that you could roll up like a map. And, uh, and yeah, so, so since, since March of last year is when it was born. What, what's been the biggest pivot or you know, challenge or roadblock maybe in the last year or so um, that you, know, you maybe had to change up an idea or go a different route? Was there anything like that? Yeah. Um, I mean, seemingly every week we, we would change something. Um, I don't think our playtesters have ever played the same game twice until, until just a couple months ago when we were really settled on it. Um, yeah, so, so just, just so, so many little things. Like, there's a lot of cards that used to be in the game that we changed. One of the, one of the key changes was we used to have a card that had to be revealed for a mutiny or a brawl to happen. Um, but since then, we made the change where the first mate, as their action, they can just call for a mutiny. Um, and that really keeps the captain on edge and, and kind of has to keep a good facade up for the first mate to keep them on their side. Um, and then we also invented the the governor of Tortuga role um, that they can call for brawls, and that kind of made the the island of Tortuga a little more fun as well. So, so that was that was probably the most important change was was uh, giving more actions to people based on where they were on the board, and that's been a lot of fun. That's cool. And and kind of following up on that, what's been the moment? over the last year or so that just it all kind of came together where you're like, all right, this is more than just an idea. This is working. You know, what was that kind of, you know, really positive moment? Yeah, I, I know. Uh, I know that moment you're, you're referring to. I don't remember exactly when it happened, but, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely play test nights where, where you play it and you're like, man, like this wasn't quite working, but yeah, there, there was definitely a time early on when we played through and, it, it obviously wasn't there yet, but I knew, I knew that night that we had something good and that it could be a really fun game. So, yeah, it's cool. You know, when I, when I first checked out the, your campaign before I reached out, I really loved the, almost the branding of this or the, uh, like, like, like the, the physical, the physicalness of it. I love the book. I love the rollout. I, I love the, the way the map looked and, you know, where did you come up with that sort of design or did you work with an art person on that? How did that start to come together? Yeah. So, um, so with Salem, our first game, we also did a, a faux book for the packaging. Um, I, I think my, my wife and I were just wandering through a craft store. We were, we were trying to think of cool ideas for the packaging because we wanted to do something different. We were just wandering through a craft store and we, we saw some of these these faux book packages on the on the shelf and just thought that would be a really fun idea. Um, for me, the the package has always been important. I, I guess growing up, our game closet was full of hundreds of games, and 
it seemed like we would always play the games that had the coolest boxes <laughs> or, or the boxes that were still in one piece. And, right. you know, so, so we wanted people to, to really enjoy the packaging on it and then also to, to make an effort to keep it nice. Um, so it's fun with this being a book is a lot of people will put it on their bookshelf rather than throw it in their, their game closet stack um, and kind of treat it a little nicer, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is fun. In terms of the the design of it, my my wife does all the graphic design. Our our illustrator draws all the pictures, but then my, but then my wife puts it all together and and really helps set that world. Um, and with uh, with Salem and now with this game, we focus a lot on textures. So you know we like using parchment backgrounds or canvas backgrounds for sails or wooden backgrounds. Um, just to yeah, just like you said, to make it a really physical experience. Uh, to bring people into it, like they're really touching the game, they're really in the world of it. Yeah, to me it seems, I mean, from from looking at everything online here, it just seems so cohesive. You know, it doesn't seem like there's any, you know, uh, this piece is kind of weird. I, I wouldn't have expected that there. It just seems really well put together. Uh, thanks. So now did you, you know, study board game design at all anywhere or is it, I mean I don't even know if there is a place this type of study but like you know where did you kind of learn the mechanics of of all the stuff it takes to 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 build a a, a tabletop game like this Yeah so I I guess I'm uh, unique from a lot of designers in that I I didn't really study like the th- the theory behind game design and you know study all the mechanics and decide which ones um kind of just Use my my experience of of playing past games and and just kind of thinking about it um, to to put it all together. A, a lot of it is is just throw just put an idea together, printing it out on cardstock as quick as you can, getting a group together to play test it. And you know, every time you you test those early versions, it's usually awful and it's no fun. But there's uh, something you can take from it and then build upon. So. So yeah, I guess it's less less of a preconceived study of of how to make the game for me, and more of a get it on paper and and test it out, and go through lots of quick iterations of the design until you have something that really works. Mm-hmm. So so for me, I'm always amazed when I talk to uh, uh, game designers because I think there's just so many steps, there's so many um, you know you know uh, ways for people to go there's writing there's design there's artwork there's so many pieces for somebody that's that is kind of first starting out you know what would you tell them is the very first thing to do to uh to get that idea out of their head and 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 going you know what 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 what, what would you suggest for somebody to do well i think i'd I'd suggest kind of what i just uh, referred to is is you know even if their idea isn't fully developed that they you know, pull up a PowerPoint doc, um, make the cards, print them out. It's it's really a lot simpler than they'd think. Um, and even if it's ugly and even even if it's a bad game, that'll get them going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I'd say is, is finish your first game. Because a lot of people, I feel like so many people come up to me and they say, hey, I have this cool game idea, um, but it it never gets finished. They always have the idea, but they never quite complete it. I think there's a lot of power and self-confidence that comes with completing your first game. Mm. So I would say, you know, just, just get it out there, start printing stuff, go through lots of, lots of play tests until you have a good game and then, then finish it. 
in whatever form that may be, if, if that's on Kickstarter or if, or if it's just you print, you know, a dozen copies for your family and friends, um, there, there's easy ways to do that these days. And, and that'd be my suggestion is just to finish it. What's the biggest difference uh, between the first game you did and this game? Hmm. Um, biggest difference. I don't know. I mean, the, the, the gameplay is com- completely different. Um, for one thing, um, I don't know. I mean, any, any specific aspect you're curious about on that? Well, you know, was there any sort of, you know, the first game took us three years to make. Oh, yeah. This one was a lot easier. We figured out some more stuff. We want to be the style of, of game design because we learned something on the first one. You know, I don't know. Was there anything yeah. that just stuck out in your mind that was like, I'm really glad we did um, this one different than the last one? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, our first game actually did take about three years to get going. And this one was more like a year. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, we, we definitely learned a lot about the process through our first game. Um, I mean, there, like you said, there's so many aspects to getting a game out there. So, you know, with, with Salem, we learned, we learned about shipping. We learned about freight from China. We learned about working with manufacturers in China, learned about the best way to, to design and which files to use and what's the best, best way to do that. So, so yeah, I mean, throwing ourselves in there with the first game has, has been huge and, um, given us a leg up on this one. And, and, you know, with, with that for, for people uh, looking to make a game is that's another suggestion I usually give is, you know, you're not going to know everything about what to do when you launch your game. Like you're not going to know exactly the best way, but just, if you just do it, then you'll get thrown into the fire and you'll figure it out. (laughs) It'll, it'll be a little stressful, but you'll figure it out and, and you'll be good. So are are you located uh, in, in Utah? Yeah, we're living in Utah right now. Um, we're, we're looking at moving back to Ohio soon, though. So okay. out around uh, Gen Con and Origins and all that. So gotcha. W- what's the gaming landscape like in 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 Utah? I mean, is there a community? Do you you know is there a place to go and play this? What, what, what's it like? Yeah, so there's actually a really great group called the uh, Board Game Designers Guild here in Utah, um, and it's it's like probably fifty to hundred people. Um, that meet every every other week in, in game stores um, and people bring their, their games that they're designing and we take turns playing each other's games and giving each other feedback. But yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a great resource um, just bouncing ideas off each other and then connecting people up to artists or, or uh, other playtesters. Then there's also a good convention out here called SaltCon that, that um, has also been good. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good landscape actually. That's awesome. That sounds like it would be very valuable uh, just to get out and just meet people and, and, and get feedback instantly. I mean, it sounds awesome. Yeah. So let's flip a little bit over to your Kickstarter. You've got a very successful campaign going on right now. I mean, you're, you've uh, crushed your goal. Your goal was $10,000 for our listeners out there, and you're at a, just under $150,000 with 22 days to go. So what was this strategy kind of around the Kickstarter before you launched? Um, you know, I'm sure you had some, some, maybe some people come from the previous campaign, but, but what was the strategy in terms of marketing and stuff like that before you launched? Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was a big one is, you know, the second we launched, I sent out an update to all of our, our Salem backers, our first game. 
and and just you know gave them the heads up that they could they could get on and get a better price during the first day um and that that was huge um just getting an immediate um boost in backers right there and you know i think kickstarter the algorithm and the people at kickstarter they they see that a project has a really good start and good potential and then that kind of keeps it at the top of the, the Kickstarter page so that people keep seeing it, which is good. Um, other than that, you know, I had a list of about 30 things that I was <laughs> going to do on day one. Um, you know, things like Facebook ads and Instagram ads and, you know, reaching out to different uh, board game websites that, that will talk about the game. Um you know, writing, writing articles, emailing specific groups of people, you know, getting the word out to the designers guild that I work with. Um, yeah. So just, just like a really big day one blitz to get the word out there. Cause, mm-hmm. cause kind of with, with Salem as well, I feel like once you get the ball rolling, it will start to roll itself because people, people in the campaign, they get excited about it and then they share it and it just kind of snowballs. Sure. Um, so I just think that that day one blitz is really really crucial. So so let's talk a little bit maybe about Salem because that Kickstarter was also really successful. And you being, I mean, was that your first game design and your first Kickstarter? Yes, what? Yeah. How did you get that audience? I mean, I think you had over three thousand backers or something. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. With that, I I still don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I have I have theories. Um, I, I wrote a blog entry about it, like some of my guesses, but I, I don't know. I think, you know, when people ask me about that, I, I say, you know, I, I really believed in the game. I think it played well, and I think we made it look really good. Um, and I think people responded to that. So I always tell people that are asking me for tips and tricks and the secret sauce, the secret formula, I just say, you know, spend your time making your product amazing. Like, make it look really great. Make a make a really good video about it. Some good, get some good pictures. Because um, if in the end, if you have a great a great product that really works, it's it's going to get found and it'll get mm-hmm. funded. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know exactly why it took off. I think we got lucky in a lot of ways. Maybe it was placed in the right paths here and there and. And Kickstarter seemed seemed to really like our first one. They picked it as a staff pick right away, and that that helped too. But but yeah, I think you got to focus on the product. Uh, yeah, I, I I can't stress that enough. Whenever I see you know a campaign or whatever, or if I, I I do obviously consulting for crowdfunding, but sometimes it's just your product's not very good. I'm yeah. sorry, you know. There's yeah. I don't have a magic wand to give you a whole bunch of money. Exactly. Make a better thing, you know. Yeah. It's a part of the equation. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So so cool. Now now you you know on that first day, did you have any sort of you know strategy around like Facebook ads or anything like that, or any, any sort of tips you could share? Like, hey, we really wanted to focus in on this type of audience, or or did you do any testing, A/B testing, or anything like that? Yeah. Um, so one one new thing we did, we tried this time was um, ads on on Board Game Geek specifically. Um, and those those have done really well for us. I I actually um, do digital marketing as well. I, I have my own little digital marketing company. So so I I really enjoy the you know the the Facebook ads and the the 
you know, the PR and the SEO stuff. Um, but, but yeah, I guess with the Facebook ads, I, I think I, I, cl- I created several different groups to target. I think one of them was, it was this cross section of people who, who say they've liked Pirates of the Caribbean and Kickstarter and board games. <laughs> I figured if we got the people who liked those three, that we'd have a good shot of, of converting them. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I made different, different combinations like that. Um, and I've been, I've been tracking which ones have been converting better. And the ones that convert well, I, I throw more money at those ads because they bring back more. Yeah. Has, what's been, um, is there been anything in this campaign that's been then active that's been like really surprising? Like, Oh, I wasn't expecting, you know, Twitter to be amazing or, or anything like that. Huh? Yeah. Um, um, let's see in terms of the marketing, I guess Instagram is new. Um, I, I hadn't, I didn't do anything with Instagram for our first game. Um, uh, but this one I did, um, do some promoted posts on Instagram and it, it got a lot of, a lot of likes and a lot of clicks. I, I think because our game is so visually appealing, um, people, they, they see it on Instagram, which is a very visual platform, obviously. And, um, and we've gotten some really good response from that. So, so yeah, that's been a pleasant surprise for sure. And, and how, when you, when you built out this campaign, how did you play into the goal, your stretch goals, your rewards? You know, did you have a strategy around that um, when you were kind of laying out the page? Yeah. So the stretch goals are pretty fun. So um, in, in playtesting the game, um, originally we had thought of we were kind of thinking of an expansion. Um, Bef- you know, even as we released the original game. And the expansion was going to contain several um, game-changer cards, is what I call them. Um, basically, in the game, you, you add three of these game-changer cards into each round. And they're, you know, they're pretty intense cards that, that can really, uh, you know, mix things up. And they're really fun. So, so as we were playing with them, I realized that I, I would really like to actually include those in the game. Um, so we, we kind of had that in mind and built in these game changer cards as the stretch goals. Mm. You know, we, we were hoping that we would reach them all so we could include every, all of them in the game and, and basically have an expansion kind of already built into the game. So, so yeah, it was, it was nice having that in mind to just have those already as stretch goals. And then, you know, the, this campaign ex- exploded more than we expected um, so over the last week, we, we have brainstormed a couple new stretch goals kind of along those lines just to, to beef up the quality of the game a little more. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a really fun aspect of it that, that people enjoy. And, you know, it's also a fun way to send out updates because I, I hate when Kickstarter projects will just kind of send you a meaningless update that mm-hmm. has no fun information about it. So it's fun when people reach these new stretch goals to send them a picture of the new card and get them excited all over again and kind of keep the excitement going for the project. That's cool. You know, did you have, um, you know, was there any sort of strategy around how you kind of came up with your, in terms of your like kind of average reward? You know, I mean, you've got like, you know, 2,200 backers at $21, that early bird. I mean, that's a a ton of backers. Um, you know, how did you figure that into like price and, and I mean, so you can still make your product and put it out there make sure you're making, I'm sure a little bit of profit on that. Uh, you know, what what was kind of the thoughts behind that? 
Yeah, just a lot of a lot of number crunching, um, just pulling up pulling up spreadsheets, and you know a lot of communication with our our manufacturer about about the pricing and stuff, um, and then also talking to our fulfillment company so that we could set the shipping lower. Uh, that that's been one thing we've been really happy about is is um, the shipping cost has been able to be brought down, especially to our international backers, just because we we kind of know the landscape more and how it all works. So that's been good. But yeah, just just lots of number crunching and, and figuring out where the price needs to be. That's cool. So talking about shipping, what what advice do you have somebody thinking about running a campaign uh, when it comes to shipping? Yeah, um, I think I think it kind of depends on on what it is they're they're shipping. Um, you know, one one reason I like doing smaller games is that we can do like smaller physically is that we we can have. Um, you know, cheaper shipping costs because it doesn't weigh as much and it's not very bulky. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's all kinds of fulfillment companies out there. So so I guess for people looking uh, to do one, it's it's not hard to to do a Google search for fulfillment companies. Then you just email them and and ask ask for a quote. Just send them send them the you know the approximate weight and dimensions of your product, and then they're they're good at sending you back a nice spreadsheet showing all the postage to different countries and then the cost that um, they'll charge for their labor and, and all that. So I think, I think doing that just helps people uh, get a ballpark of what it's going to cost for shipping. Cause you know, I, I've heard of a lot of Kickstarter campaigns, not realizing how much shipping is going to be. Yeah. And then they don't make any money afterwards because they have to spend it all on shipping. So, so one thing I noticed too in the in in this campaign is how you're translating it to to other languages. That's that's correct, right? Yeah, that's correct. Now, is that something that maybe you saw from the first one to this game, or did you always anticipate having an international crowd uh, for your game? Yeah, so I mean, I was I was really surprised with our first game how many were international backers. I, I think about a third of them were were international. Wow. Um. So so with this one. I mean, we we weren't sure it was going to take off, but we were excited that it did. Um, but but right away, um, we started receiving re- requests and and questions about if it was going to be translated. So so pretty early on, we actually just asked our our backers if if anyone had translating experience, if they wanted to translate the rules into other languages. So actually, so right now we have the rules up in German, French, Spanish, and Dutch. And I think I think one guy's actually working on it in uh, Turkish too. Oh wow! Because because he wanted to. Um, but yeah, I mean the the support from your backers is is really incredible. And you know, I, I think I had probably thirty people volunteer to do the translations. I had to turn a lot of them away because because we already had someone working on it. Um, you know, so so those are those are up on our website now and. You know, once we've once we've finalized everything after the campaign, we'll we'll probably do a more official version where we'll we'll get a, an official translation. But you know, but as of now, it's it's been really nice. The the backers have done all this great translation work for us and really expanded our market size because yeah. of it. That, that's that's sort of that added bonus I always love about successful Kickstarters. If you just let your community help. You yeah. either come up with good ideas, or they actually make something, or they or they give you that idea where they're like, you know, if you did it this way, I think a whole bunch of other people would buy it. And you're like, why yeah. am I not doing that? You know? Yeah, they're great. I love the Kickstarter community. Yeah, it, it is really great. So, 
so what do you, I mean, is this something that you do full time or do you have, I know you mentioned the, you know, the doing some marketing on the side, but, or, or is this something that you, that you're doing full time here making the games? Yeah. So, um, so I, I had a, I had a quote real job for a while, um, at a ad agency doing their digital marketing. Um, but then, you know, I was kind of thinking about leaving. I've, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Um, and I've always wanted to be my own boss. So when our first game, Salem, uh, did so well on Kickstarter, that's when I, I kind of left I left that job and just started working from home. So a lot of my time was was spent on the game stuff, but then a lot was also at um, this digital marketing company company I run. And then I also have a few other side ventures going on right now that are that are fun as well. Um, but you know, with with Salem being so successful, I I didn't know if that was kind of a one time success fluke thing mm-hmm. or if or if we could keep making games so i was really hoping that tortuga would do well um because i i love i love making games it's so much fun um so i'm, I'm probably now going to be scaling back on the digital marketing side and, and focus even more time on on just doing the games which, which i'm really excited about because that's that's got to be the dream job right making right. board games at home like <laughs> yeah yeah i think lots of people want that yeah <laughs> So, uh, you know, so I guess we're kind of talking about a little bit, but, but then what does scale look like? I mean, is it something where you're envisioning, Hey, we're going to, you know, maybe publish other games on people's behalf or I'm just going to make them or, you know, we want to put out a game a year. So what, what does it look like? Yeah, we're, we're definitely still trying to figure that out. Right, right now the goal is, is about a game a year. Um, you know, we're, we're, open to submissions as well. Like if, if people have a great idea for gameplay that, that kind of matches the style of our games, then, you know, we're definitely open to, to taking that in and, and providing royalties. Um, you know, I, I, um, the company is just me and my wife and I, I kind of like it being small. Um, you know, there's, you know, very little overhead costs and, I don't know. We just kind of work well together and it's easy to move forward at our, at our pace. Um, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see, you know, maybe in the future if, if, uh, our next, next game or two also go well, we'll, we'll expand and, and start hiring employees. But, but for now it's just us and it's, it's been good. Uh, that that's cool you know i think we talked about it a little bit but i, I just want to kind of go back a little bit to the artwork so walk me through a little bit on how maybe the artwork starts and then finishes i know you said your wife does uh i think it's the end of it but but where does that sort of initial idea come from for you know uh, you know like your your stormy seas or something like that and then how does that artwork kind of go through the whole you know from start to finish yeah so um you know, as as we play test the game in the early stages, we don't have any art on it, and we're just testing the gameplay. And you know, eventually, little by little, we start to come up with what the name of the card is going to be, and you know how that's going to fit. And you know, we, we brainstorm ideas just internally, like you know what what could be on the card, what's the overall feel of the game. Um, and we've been really lucky to work with a great illustrator. Her name's Sarah Keel. Um, she worked with our first game as well. So, you know, eventually we, we meet with her and kind of lay out our, our vision, tell her, you know, the feel we're going for and, the, you know, the name of each card and, and what we hope will be on it. 
And then really a lot of it is then in her hands and she does a great job. Like she, uh, she, she really comes up with, with a lot of the content on the card herself. Um, and then, then gives that back to us. And usually there's like one or two cards that we don't feel like quite match what we're going for. So, so go back and change those. Mm. Um, but then from there, uh, my, my wife takes those and, um, puts it all together with, with the textures and laying it out on the card and finding the perfect font to match the game, um, developing the logo for the game, and then putting it all together. How did you uh, connect with Sarah? So um, the, I, I went to, to BYU at, at college, and there's a website that BYU has that uh, has like students who are artists looking for, for freelance work. So I just I just posted our, our first game on there, and I, I think I had about fifteen artists reach back and and send me sketches and and ideas for that game, and uh, we we really loved Sarah's work and went with her, and that's how we connected. Yeah, the old internet did this connecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, so you mentioned a minute ago how uh, you're kind of you've caught this entrepreneur spirit. Um, you know what what did your parents do? Do you, you know were they entrepreneurs at all? <laughs> nope, not at all. Um, so, so my my dad's a, a mechanical engineer uh, works for the government for the Air Force. Um, and then my mom's a nurse. So you know they're both very steady jobs. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly how I caught the bug, but it definitely is a bug when you catch it, man. It's 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 hard to let go. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it's also. I have this theory that uh, the bug, uh, I mean, it goes in, I'm still working on this theory, but it, it goes, it's kind of generational. Like if your parents are entrepreneurs, then you're very likely to be an entrepreneur. But if your parents are not, then you have like kind of a, a few years of a learning curve. <laughs> so I think for most of my, my 20s, I'm, I'm 29 now, for most of my 20s, I've just kind of been figuring it out. Um, and now I feel like I'm I'm really there and figured out how to do this entrepreneur thing, and I love it. But uh, hey, you're yeah, the choir here. That, that's about that's. I think that's that's my story. That's my twenties, just banging my head against the wall, figuring yeah, out yeah. stuff, doing stupid yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm in my late thirties, and boy, all right, I'm not 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 doing all the stupid stuff anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still do some stuff here and there. You know, I'm you know, I'm doing a podcast on a random <laughs> Wednesday afternoon. But, you know, I'm having fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you've got 20, what was it, 20, 22 days ago? I mean, that was a joke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you've obviously been, you're successful and you've got some more stretch goals to, to try to hit. But, you know, what's the strategy right now for the next 20 days? And then, you know, what's the, the temperature feel like around you guys? Yeah, so definitely um, trying to come up with a good plan for the for the middle of the road. I know a lot of a lot of campaigns kind of hit a slump in the middle um, with with big spikes at the beginning and the end. Um, a, a lot of it is actually doing um, more PR stuff. Like you know, I'm going to be on a few other uh, podcasts and um, a few whoa, other. Whoa, whoa, I thought this was exclusive. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, we we actually. And we actually have some some articles coming out that we're hoping will will pan out. Uh, we were contacted by the Huffington Post entrepreneurship page that 
hopefully there'll be something on there. Um, and then a few other just PR outreaches that we're hoping, you know, we, we feel like we're, we're getting to the, the board game crowd, um, you know, through, through our current advertising, but we're, we're trying to see what other audiences we can crack into yeah. right now. So hoping to, to get into a few more of those. Cause you know, I, I think our game really looks great. And I think if, if people see it, then they're immediately interested and they'll go to the page and a lot of them will, will back it. So we just got to get it on some new, new audiences eyeballs right now. That's awesome. So let's kind of wrap this up here a little bit. What, what do you see the next 10 years looking like? You know, if you had a crystal ball, you know, what do you see? Oh man. So, I mean, on the, on the Kickstarter page, we, we announced that this, this game will be part of a series called the dark cities series. Um, you know, in each of those games, we'll, we'll focus on a certain city and year. So like this one's Tortuga, 1667. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going to at least release at least two more games that will go in that series, but we're hopeful that we can release, you know, another seven or eight or nine games in this series. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we can release a game a year at least. Um, and then, like I said, I, I have a few other side ventures I'm working on um, that I'm hoping can also uh, pan out well, so... Do you, do you envision selling this in like you know Targets of the world or WalMarts, you know big box retail? Yeah, you know I'd I'd love that. I'm I'm hoping you know with this being our our second successful game, um, I'm hoping that some some bigger distributors will will start opening the door a little more for us and and uh, be interested in our, in our game because yeah, I'd I'd love to have a million copies sold of these games. You know that'd right. be that'd be really fun. So, so yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, it would be. Well, well, Travis, I, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to to talk about your game. Really looks like it's it, it's a fun game to play. It looks awesome. You're you're spot on. As soon as I saw it, I was like, well, I want to talk to this guy. This seems very intriguing to me. Um, and uh, you're obviously successful, but you got 20 days to go. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Like I said, I appreciate it so much, man. You taking some time to talk about your game. Yeah, thanks. It was a great great talking to you. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yep. All right, how about that conversation with Travis? Lots of good stuff, man. I, I, I strongly recommend. I, if you're, you're thinking about board gaming designs, I, you know, reach out, connect. Um, I think he's would be, a, would be a good mentor or role model to follow. He's building some cool stuff out there, and, and artwork looks great, design looks great. Him and his wife are doing some really amazing stuff there. Uh, so the song that we're listening to right now is a song called "Another Day." Again, uh, it's a song I wrote, and uh, it feels. Uh, feels right to be listening to right now so uh i'm gonna go ahead and and, and i hope everybody has a great weekend i'm gonna kick into my song here another day um put the heads up guys we gotta pull together all right